This episode of the Busted Wide Open podcast is brought to you by Blueberry. Blueberry offers the best media hosting, accurate listening stats, and their all-new PowerPress Deluxe sites, a no-setup WordPress website for your podcast with all the necessary links to share your show with the world built right in. If you currently produce a podcast and are looking for a better media host or looking to start a new one from scratch, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash BWO and sign up for the best media hosting and a PowerPress Deluxe site to get your first month absolutely free. That's orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash BWO, or just use the promo code BWO at checkout for your first month free. And with that said, enjoy the show. Hi, this is Roseanne, host of California Dreaming, a podcast that brings you true crime tales from the Golden State, and you are listening to Busted Wide Open on the Orbital Jigsaw Network. You're listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast. Dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling. With your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, but if you're joining us for the first time, I'd like to welcome you to episode number 47. I'm Nick Howell. And I am Sir Ian Dangerous, and we are here to talk about the continuing road to the Royal Rumble. Yeah, coming off of the high of Wrestle Kingdom and our special episode that we did earlier this week, I hope you guys enjoyed that and the conversation afterwards. Uh, It was a little bit of a downtrodden kind of meh week in it's, the wwe yeah it's it's a long way to the rumble it's a it's a i mean the last pay-per-view was clash of champions and that was mid-december yeah and raw hasn't had a pay-per-view for a while and it's just we got a long way to go to the rumble and it's tough because you don't have a lot of matches other than the rumbles in the rumble this year but i mean they're they're making a lot of matches but at the same time it's it they're kind of they're trying to stretch this stuff out as much as possible. I mean, we've we've had a lot of uh, feuds stabilizing now, and uh, there's a lot of stables feudalizing. I guess you could say. <laughs> That's uh, a good way to put it. But, yeah. You know, but they're they're trying to fill this massive amount of time between now and the Rumble, and some of it's a little dull. Just you know, it's it's some of it's working and. Some of it is just kind of like, uh, kind of spinning our wheels. Yeah, it, it doesn't feel like there's any stakes behind what they're doing until we get to the Rumble. I wish there was a way to figure out, like, instead of just filling the time with the wheel spinning stuff, put something behind it. You know, give me something to invest in. Yeah, I mean, you, we do have a, a several matches, mostly championship matches, that look like they're going to happen at the Rumble. And in addition, they always like to have some feuds going on. So in the Rumble itself, there's many stories that can be told yeah. as it progresses. Uh, but nothing seems like huge stakes to me right now. We're having some, some, some fun developments, but nothing's blowing our minds really right now. It feels uh, like a lot of experimental kind of stuff as well. Testing the waters, yeah, uh, exactly. bouncing some different elements off each other. And on SmackDown, they're definitely in a full on holding pattern with their big feud. And then there, there's some other interesting stuff happening on SmackDown, but for the most part, SmackDown is in, I hate to say it, a rut yeah. right now. Uh, but that being said, we're going we're gonna to get through all of that and discuss all of it and pr- pick it apart and do all that fun stuff. But the, before we do that, we got to get to some big news. 
Well, the injuries continue to pile up, Ian. We had some uh, breaking news coming out of WWE this week. Uh, Samoa Joe has suffered an injury and will be out for some time. Again. Again. This poor guy. Like he's He keeps getting these pretty decent-sized pushes. He's one of the stronger-looking heels on a, a, a production that really doesn't have a lot of really good big heels right now. And uh, he, unfortunately, this week, so he had a match against Rhino, who at this point, he and uh, Heath Slater are having some weird pseudo angle where they're trying to, quote, toughen Heath up, I guess. It's kind of lame and not really working. But whatever, Rhino had a match against Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe killed him. And then after the match, had an an in-ring interview where he said um, he was entering the Royal Rumble and then particularly called out John Cena. All sounds great. Well, then we find out later that during his match with Rhino, he felt a pop in his foot. I mean, he went to get it checked out, and it turned out to be a uh, plantar fascia rum, uh, rupture, I guess. So uh, something bad happened at the bottom of his foot, and he has to have surgery. And right now, the speculation is that he will at least miss the rumble and possibly out three months. Mm, that puts him in, in you know, dangerous waters for mania. Yeah, especially if they were trying to work on some sort of John Cena angle with him. Uh, you know, the, the scuttlebutt has been that they're, they kind of want to do Cena Undertaker for mania, and... As has been the case with Undertaker the last few years, he doesn't start his feud with whoever until a couple of weeks before, and he almost never shows up, and that just happens, and he just shows up at Mania. Uh, and usually they have someone else kind of running interference on the angle until WrestleMania. Um, I mean, that happened with the Bray Wyatt feud, and yeah. kind of happened with the Roman feud a little bit. Like, you know, you have someone else in there kind of building the time on TV and it looked like Joe was going to be the guy who was going to heat up Cena for Undertaker. And now that looks like it's in severe jeopardy. So that's uh, that's definitely a, that's bad timing all around. And uh, it's going to suck to have Joe miss the rumble too. And especially seeing as he was looking so dominant uh, overall, even coming out of the Roman Reigns loss, he still came out of it looking hot. And he, I mean, his promo this week also, he's just, he's the last two weeks. He's one of those promos that every time he gets on the mic, I get fired up. Yeah, uh, he does. He in some ways, and this is a strange thing to say, but it does. There is a correlation. He reminds me his cadence sometimes reminds me of the rock like back in the day where he's not he's not quite as cartoonish about it, but the energy is on the same level uh, with without being too big. He's he's very uh, demonstrative in his vocal tone. And it's exciting to watch. He finds a lot of levels to things to say. He finds interesting ways of putting things. He seems very confident. He never seems like they're written lines. Like they, they, it never seems scripted, even though obviously like it's a pre-written speech for some of this, these things. But yeah, he's fantastic. So it, this is a this is a big loss, in my opinion. Where is that? Where you thought he was going to go was uh, with Cena, or at least to heat up Cena for potentially Undertaker, as you were saying. Is I I had. Thoughts that until the Miz came back, I guess I had thoughts that he was going to feud with with Roman Reigns to be the one to take the Intercontinental title off of him, so Roman could go back to chasing uh, the Universal title. So this, I, I feel like that even throws you know this into a little bit of a tailspin as well. So now is it just Miz getting his title back? I mean, we'll discuss Miz when we get to the rest of the Raw show. Uh, but I mean, I thought that they would have Joe and and uh, Reigns go a little bit longer, but I guess last week. Their intention was that was the blow off, and then Joe was going to go feud with possibly Cena or something else. But I, we'll never know now yeah. uh, because he's he's out. Mm. Well, since you mentioned the Miz, let's head over and talk about Monday Night Raw. 
So we do need to talk about Miz and his return this week, his triumphant return. But before we get to him, I want to talk about the big kind of feud that happened this week and the continuing uh, interaction between Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins, and Jason Jordan. And that was the big angle from this show. It was the main event of the show. Uh, it started off with Roman Reigns in the ring, congratulating himself for beating Joe last week, still being the IC champion. And uh, Jason Jordan interrupted him and came out and was very awkward and kind of goofy and, and told Roman that this is his yard. He's the big dog. And everyone booed the crap out of both of them and said, you both suck. You both suck. Which, you know, is not a good sign. Well, it's a good sign for Jordan. But uh, yeah, but then a sort of, uh, Seth Rollins, Jordan's tag team partner and co-champion, comes out to try and calm down Jason Jordan. They all have a very awkward meeting in the ring. And uh, before we get to what happened next, I want to really quickly talk about this dynamic between the three of them. Yeah. It's something that... On one hand, I think there are elements that are working and there are elements that just because of the mannerisms of the people involved are not working. The things that are working is Jason Jordan uh, kind of naturally being a boo magnet yeah, uh, and the way that they're they're portraying him, they're going a little a little hard into it now for me. Like before, it just seemed like it was more kind of subtle and now they're just They've realized what it is, and like most things with WWE, they're just overplaying it. Um, but it's still it's still working overall for me. And the way that uh, everyone's you know he, he kind of reacts to him uh, is working. I think that Roman naturally has this disdainful look about him. Like he comes out, and it's hard for him to not look like he just doesn't give a shit about the person or just doesn't like the person, uh, which is not good in your supposed top baby face. Uh, but it worked well with Jason Jordan. And the problem with Seth Rollins as well is that he comes across as being kind of a you know self-involved dick a lot just naturally, uh, which is why he's had a hard time, I think, getting over as a face that and not really having a definitive character. Yeah. So having the two of them with Jason Jordan in the ring, it works in one sense in that their reactions to Jason Jordan are kind of how like they naturally come across mm-hmm. as, as just being disdainful. Uh, but in addition, it it doesn't make them look like like cool guys. Like you, you don't you don't empathize with them. Uh, you're you kind of feel like everyone in the in the in the picture is a, a kind of a a jerk. I feel like they're kind of putting on the elitish douchebag kind of yeah exactly uh, mo going on here, and I think that kind of plays off of what Jason is doing, and in a way makes them look like they're the company, I guess if you will. They're representing. You know, we've got the titles. We're we're the guys, right? But Jason bouncing we're off of Jason. We're the champions club, as Jason oh, Jordan God. said. That was great. I, I, I rolled so hard, I fell over. But it's he dorky, that. and it's, that's what it's supposed to be. Yes. He's supposed to be dorky, and it worked. So when they had the match later, which we'll talk about in more detail, there was more of this kind of, your word, shenaniganry that was going on, and just the Roman's kind of squinty, like confused look that he does. Like you said, mannerisms. And I, they're not selling it the right way. Well, you want to you want to be able to empathize with Roman and Seth in this situation, yeah. right? Uh, you want to feel like Jason Jordan is getting on your nerves, and and he does. He does a very good job of that. Unfortunately, we can't really put ourselves in Roman and Seth's shoes, because, and this has been one of their fundamental problems on both of their parts is they're not really identifiable. You can't really identify with them, with either of them. They always seem like they're at a remove. You know, like one of the things in wrestling that you really want to get is that feeling of, 
Uh, I identify with that good guy. I want him to win, right? You like baby faces that you can feel like would be your buddy or would be you in that situation. Like, yeah, I'm going to, I would do that. And Roman and Seth are not that at all. They're, they're definitely at a remove in terms of how we relate to them. You know, yeah. they're over there. I would agree with you with that on Roman. I actually kind of like the overbearing dad role that Seth is playing a little bit where he's coming out and going, Jason, 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 no, nah, listen. Yeah, you you can't do things this way. I kind of dig that for Seth. I I dig certain elements of it, as I said before, but overall, it does come across to me as being uh, patronizing. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like it's it's just it's a little too much. The audience, you mean? He doesn't. Well, Seth, like I said, Seth comes across that way naturally, and he's he's pushing it right now, or he's pushing it a little bit too much. So it it feels I, I it's off putting. To me, at least, yeah. and this—that's just how I'm feeling no, about it. I'm with it. you. I'm with you. Um, but anyway, that being said, that's the dynamic going on there, and doesn't like doesn't seem like it's going to end anytime soon. So either it will, either it will keep uh, annoying me, or we'll see. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but that being said, on the upside, they uh, Jason Jordan made some some corny, obviously scripted uh, remark that they were the best three man team in WWE right now, which brought out. The newly formed Balor Club, which uh, we thought might have been a one-off last week, but nope, they're going all in. Gallows, Anderson, and Finn Balor are officially a Freebird-style three-man team, and they came out and uh, got in the ring and had a fun time making fun of all three of the uh, the other guys, the Champions Club, if you will. Mm-hmm. And uh, Kurt came out and made a match for the end of the for the the main event, three on three, Balor Club versus a. Uh, <clears throat> Champions Club. This I can get behind. We got Smiley Finn Balor again. We're getting to see Gallows and Anderson. Uh, this is a lot of fun. Uh, regardless of what you think of what's going on with Jason Jordan and Roman and Seth right now, uh, I really, I, I am so happy. You guys know if you've been listening for the longest time, I've not been big, I've not been high on Finn Balor. Not been his biggest fan. I'm very happy with what they're doing with him right now. The dynamic is exactly where he needs to be. As much as the the dynamic between Roman Seth and and Jason Jordan is kind of awkward and not doesn't entirely work. Yeah. Good God! I mean the the Gallows Anderson and and Finn that dynamic is off the charts. It's good for all three of them. It makes it uh, so that we relate more to Gallows and Anderson. It uh, adds another layer to Finn, who can come across as being very cardboard and vanilla very easily. Yeah. Um, they had a backstage segment on the show that was fantastic with the three of them just sitting in a room reminiscing about the good old times in Japan and yeah. throwing out some amazing references if you're aware of their time in Japan or if you're aware of, of New Japan at all. They reference Bad Luck Fale, which is awesome. They reference Carl Anderson's hot Asian wife, which is a running joke. Uh, and the, <laughs> and the, uh, Sa- the Saigon Brides. I mean, there's a bunch of, it was a bunch of fun moments with this. And you could tell that Finn is just so natural with these guys. A lot of times on these on these on these shows on WWE shows, they put people together and there's not a natural chemistry. Sometimes there is, sometimes there isn't. And with the three of them, it's so natural. It just feels like it, you want to be in the room with them. And it's 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 very like I said, as much as Seth and Roman can be off-putting, this draws you in. That being said, during the match itself, I had to start questioning one of the questions I brought up last week. Do you think that Finn is going heel? Do you think the Gallows and Anderson are turning him heel or the Balor Club turn heel? That's a tough question because I, I don't know. I mean, let, let's step one more step back. 
we we've said many times that the tag division on on Raw is just in shambles. It's all over the place, and for reasons we'll discuss later, it's even going further in that direction. Uh, but I I don't know where's the revival is my first question. I like the shine that Gallows and Anderson is getting off of this because they are an elite tag team and they need this. They should be. They haven't been in the WWE. They've Correct. won the, they've won the titles what once or twice, but that's then they just been the comedy jobbers for the last. Oh, six months to a year. You got four to six active tag teams over on SmackDown, and you could have that on Raw as well, but we've been so focused on Shield and Bar for the last six months. Well, one thing that we mentioned in the in the Fatal Five way is that you have so many people who are a heavyweight main event level, yeah. but that is being capped off by Brock, Braun, Kane right now, and so all those main eventers are getting pushed down to the lower levels, you know, the tag division or the IC championship or that sort of thing. So you've got guys who have been and could be, again, uh, universal champions or WWE champions taking over the top of the tag division. And that pushes everyone else in the tag division down. So having Balor Club insert themselves and be a Freebird-style tag team. Now, we were asking for, for some more stables in WWE earlier this year. Of course. We were asking for this. Um, we're getting and, it and, in spades. <laughs> well, we're, we're really getting it. Uh, but But that being said... I'm not mad at Balor Club being a Freebird style stable, especially because Gallows and Anderson aren't the typical. They're kind of doing a bit of a stooge thing, like with the you know Jinder Mahal and the, and the Singh brothers, or the Miz Taraj, or you know sure. the, Joey Mercury and and whatever, the stuff that's happened in the past. Yeah. Um, but this is a different dynamic here. They definitely feel more like. Uh, Finn feels like the first among equals as opposed to the leader at this point. Now, we, we have to yet to see where they go with it. They could still screw it up. But uh, as of right now, the dynamic with them is fantastic. Now, the reason I ask about Finn turning heel is because in the match between the, the Balor Club and the Champions Club, uh, Gallows and Anderson were doing a little bit of the Healy cheaty thing, and, but Finn wasn't. Finn was playing it straight, but he wasn't stopping them either. And yeah. he definitely had that kind of hockey heelish gloating thing going on both in the promo that he cut at the beginning of the show against the uh, against Seth and, and Roman and JJ yeah uh, and in the match himself he had like a bit of a different swagger to him so I'm wondering if this is going to be a bit of a slow turn for Finn into being a heel which I think as we've said could be really good for him could be good for WWE. Uh, it's a new direction for him, and they didn't have anything to do with him other than have him job to Kane up until now. Right. So that could be a really good thing. I could see all three of these guys, the Gals and Anderson inserting themselves into the, the tag title picture and this being a way for Finn to either get into the Intercontinental or the U.S. title picture. And then you treat it like you do the reunited shield where you've got maybe two sets of belts across. There's nothing stopping any of that. And that's, that's why I'm excited for this for Finn especially, yeah. is this gives him that opportunity to have an entourage of sorts to give him some shine so he's not that kind of white meat, cardboard, boring kind of character. Yeah, and this is definitely opening him up more. I still say the best option, in in my opinion, and I, I hate fantasy booking, but this is still something that I'm, I'm, as far as conceptually, I think what would work best is to have him and the Balor Club go to SmackDown and, and be involved in that incredible tag division uh, partially, and then have another top heel on SmackDown, which it's a little light on right now. There's not a lot of good top heels on SmackDown. You want to see Gals and Anderson's job to uh, the Bludgeon Brothers? Because uh, that's where probably would happen. Well, it probably would. They're all probably going to job <laughs> the, the Bludgeon Brothers at some point, the way it's going, but they, they also could have incredible matches with the likes of Shelton Benjamin and Chad Gable and the Usos and the New Day, who aren't doing anything right now, and Rusev Day, and 
you know, they, they could also have some really fun matches. So there, there is an upside there. Yeah. But, uh, but we're getting a little bit off the point here. The point it was that, that there was a match, uh, three-on-three Balor Club, and again, lack of a better term, Champions Club, uh, and the Balor Club won. They pulled it off, obviously because Jason Jordan was running around and kind of screwing things up for Roman and Seth, yeah. and they were very annoyed by that. But, uh, but yeah, Seth ate a, a coup de gras and one, two, three. Balor Club wins, walks away smiling. I will say that the match and, and that whole uh, distraction stuff that was going on between JJ and Roman and Seth was very well choreographed. I enjoyed the kind of you know almost Benny Hill show nature of that. <laughs> it was just going around all over the place. And they snuck in a win. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, what does this mean going forward? I don't know. I'm excited about it for Finn. I'm anxious to see where it goes. Uh, who knows? But speaking of triple... Uh, stables. Well, this is the thing that we that you know you say I don't know where it's going forward. Yeah. I'll tell you one thing. I don't think Balor Club is going to stay in a feud with these guys no. because, as we were saying before, the Miz returned this week yes, with sir. his Miz Taraj in a fantastic segment. Unsurprisingly, once again showing why when he's not on TV, he's very missed because he had a. 15-minute segment, 20-minute segment between Elias being there to introduce him and having a a, a great, uh, another great song. Uh, and Corey Graves had a great line where he said that uh, Elias ruined Yellow Leadbetter, which, <laughs> yes. which was a gold, gold line because uh, Corey just can do no wrong yeah. in my eyes. Uh, so Elias introduces him. Miz comes out uh, with the Miz Taraj, who both say they're so happy that he's back and they try, they all try to give him presents, and that's a was a, which was a really funny bit. Bo uh, Dallas stole a Tommy Hilfiger shirt from 1992 out of my closet from high school. Oh God, you own that, one of those? Oh, I was. That's all I wore in high school in the early 90s. Oh, you poor, yeah. poor bastard. East Coast kids, you know. Um, but Overalls it, and shit with one of them undone. Well, Bo, Bo Dallas, in my opinion, had the line of the night because they started giving presents to the Miz, and Bo handed Miz a picture of the Miz, to which the Miz says, "Oh, thank you, a picture of me." And Bo says. Yeah, it's going to be really hard to sleep without that tonight. Yes. And that was, oh, <laughs> I was rolling. And then, of course, Curtis Axel realizes he doesn't have a present for him and tries to give him the jacket off of his back. And the Mo goes, Bo tries to one-up him by taking off his wristwatch. And Was that a watch or was that, I don't know what, that was a giant, I don't know what the hell that <laughs> well, thing the was. Bottom, the end a of boat it, anchor At the end wrist. of it, the two of them just like squabbling like kids and the Miz going, guys, knock it off. All right, sit down, sit down. Was great. But then the Miz turns to hard cam and delivers one of his just, five-star promos dead into hard cam saying i'm back i want my ic championship daddy's home he's coming for his little girl basically uh and just killer like so so perfect uh in his promo once again so it's looking like miz and the miz will be getting involved with roman jj and seth uh barring some other uh, influences pardon the pun with the bar reference but uh, there's definitely a lot of a lot of balls in the air in terms of these different feuds. But we do know now that it was confirmed by the end of the show that the Miz has a intercontinental title shot at the Raw before the Royal Rumble, which will be the 25th anniversary Raw show. That's a great main event for that show, by the way. No kidding. Um, the one thing I'll say about this is that I there's a saying that goes around, and I, I'm not. I think this was a Vince line. It was the. Uh, the man makes the title, not the, the title doesn't make the man. And I can't remember from the 80s or so who said that. I don't know if it was Vince or if it was one of the other superstars, maybe one of the managers. But I have to say, I have to admit that I could care less that Roman Reigns has the Intercontinental title right now. 
He looks like he doesn't give a shit about it. It's draped over his back. He's not even showing it, all of that stuff. But I will tell you that the minute The Miz stepped back in the ring, I want him to have that title back because he makes it something. Well, this he is, makes it important. And it's a debatable point because I do think that having it on Roman Reigns with the way that they've pushed Roman does make it seem like a more important championship, especially to have Min, Miz now gunning for it as he's coming back. And the level of desire that Miz has for specifically that title does make the title feel more important. And, and, and to your point, to play counterpoint to that, I mean, Roman has done a better job this time with the Intercontinental title than he did with, say, the U.S. title and some other titles he's had where it doesn't, it doesn't feel like he cares about it and doesn't feel like he really needs it uh, because of how much they push him and how much they make him feel important through the commentary and the presentation. Well, I'll give him credit where credit's due. He has defended it every single week. He's been a fighting champ. He's been a fighting champ. And his mannerisms towards it have been much better. Like, like last week when he barely beat Samoa Joe and the first thing he does is kiss the, kiss the belt. That oh, was a okay. good moment. Uh, it made it feel like it is worth something to him, and that's something that he needed to do, and I'm, I'm glad he learned that that's a better way to treat the belt. Um, but having Miz have this passion for the belt, as you said, it definitely is a combination of the belt elevating the man and the man elevating the belt, and the guys involved in the, in the title hunt elevating the belt through how passionate they are about that championship. So I'm I'm so happy Miz is back. I'm happy he's immediately back in the IC title hunt, which we, we were speculating like he might not be in. Uh, this might be something where, uh, you know, Joe's injury. I mean, it didn't look like Joe was going to continue to be in the IC title hunt, but it definitely you know, it makes it very clear. Miz's path is clear. Now, the question is, does he take it off of Roman? Through some skullduggery of some sort before the Rumble on the go home show for the Royal before the Royal Rumble. Yeah, like what? The, what? Okay. I mean, that's the only title. Are they that's, not going to have a, def, a title defense for the Intercontinental again on the Royal Rumble? Well, but that which which by the way, if they do it on the Raw before the Royal Rumble, which we'll get into this Raw later, it sounds like they're making this Raw a humdinger of a show, nearly pay per view quality in and of itself. That, to me, will still give it a level of importance, but that's the only title getting defended on that very important show. That's some good shine, and they've got enough going on on the Rumble card. That show's going to be six hours with pre-show, as it is. Yeah. So I don't know if they need to have the IC belt on that show if they're going to do such a good job of making it look like a big deal on the show before it. Uh, so I'm fine with that. I'm fine with them not having it at the show. It allows the possibility of both Roman and Miz to be in the rumble. And by God, I want to see Roman go over that top rope this year and not by the undertaker, just whatever it takes. I want to see him go over that damn top rope. And that's just maybe me being a Mark, but whatever. Oh, did, wait, did you say Mark, Mark? Oh, okay. We got to talk about Braun Strowman. Oh it's yeah. My okay. turn to Mark out now. Mark, 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 oh, Mark, Mark. I thought that I had reached my capacity for Markery for Braun Strowman. Up until Monday night, oh boy, was I wrong. Uh, I, you know, we had the bullshit with Kane choke slamming Brock Lesnar last week, and it was nah and whatever and boring. And now we get to this week, and it's Heyman and Brock again. Kinda, I'm getting down on the Brock and Heyman thing. It's starting to get a little long in the tooth. And then we come backstage, and all of a sudden, Braun unleashes hell yeah you had Kane attack Brock at the top of the ramp on their way out from their typical promo uh Brock and Kane fight in the back Braun shows up out of nowhere levels both of them tosses them all over the place through ta through 
tables and he threw Brock Lesnar into a wall of roadie cases and roadie cases were falling all over Brock and it didn't look comfy but that wasn't enough nope he goes into the case and finds of all things a grappling hook which you know they have in road cases right like he's Wiley Coyote or some shit And he pulls out the Acme grappling hook, and in one shot... Well, yeah, unlike Wiley e. Coyote, his grappling hook works. Hooks it over a 20-foot-tall truss, and he pulls the entire truss down on top of... Huge metal what? construction, pulls it down on Kane and Brock, which, you know, it, it didn't... Once it was down, it was like, okay, they completely missed them, but whatever. It still looked crazy coming down. This definitely was the kind of destruction we don't normally see on Raw unless it's around Braun Strowman. Yeah. He's the only guy who's allowed to do these kinds of huge destructive things now or have these things happen around him, whether it's Kane pulling down the chairs from the ceiling at, at, uh, one, at the last pay-per-view or uh, a couple pay-per-views ago or uh, you know whether it's pushing over the ambulance or whatever it is, he's the guy who's doing the big destructive things. And but I don't know if I pulled a grappling hook out of a case that I could even hook that. Well, what, what does was, that say? It was pre-taped. Who knows how many times it took for him? But at the same the same time, it still looked great. I mean, it was a, yeah. it's a great segment. It was the, the part that I thought was the funniest was so afterwards, Brock is crawling out the one side and saying, "I didn't even see him coming." And they put him on the on the stretcher and put him in the ambulance, and he begs Paul to get him out of there. Meanwhile, we cut to Kane. He's no one's helping Kane. He's stumbling out the other side. Everyone's like, oh, Brock, are you okay? Oh, Brock, poor Brock. Oh, little Brock. Oh, Kane's coming out the other side. Just anybody want to help? No, no, I'm just going to I'll take care of myself then. Okay. Well, he's no. the big red machine. He doesn't need help. I, just, I, I thought it was a funny juxtaposition. But uh, but anyway, so yeah, this didn't help me get any more excited for their match, but it was a really it was a really cool, fun, chaotic moment. The sort of thing you don't see week to week. And once again, Braun was involved in it. So he gets the shine from doing this crazy shit uh, real quick. I do want to talk about about Paul Heyman and Brock because you did mention that's getting old. This is the metaphor I came up with for this. Okay, it's like Paul Heyman is trying to sell us a grapefruit. Brock Lesnar is a grapefruit, and I'm not just I'm not just talking visually, which he kind of is, but he's a grapefruit. You know what a grapefruit is, right? It's it's not something you want all the time, but sometimes you do. But every time Paul comes out, he's telling us this is a grapefruit. This is a grapefruit. This is a grapefruit. Now, this grapefruit is different than an apple this time. And then the next time he's telling it it's different from an orange. Look, dude, we get it. We know what a grapefruit is. You don't need to be contrasted with all these other things. And every time, it's just another fruit. We get it. It's, we're, we don't need to be led down this path. And he's finding all these creative ways to, to juxtapose what Brock Lesnar is and what he's going to do. And that's not entirely his fault. That's what he's being told to do. To go out and do this over and over again. There's only so many times you can be told what a grapefruit is before you just get sick of grapefruit. And I'm frankly getting sick of grapefruit. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm over it. I'm uh, over it. I'm not quite over it, but I'm, I'm I'm right there. I'm like little tiny bit. I got a little bit left. Yeah. And, and Paul Heyman is the greatest grapefruit salesman in the world. Let's agreed. let's give a spade a spade here. Agreed. But but at the same time, there's only so many ways you can sell a grapefruit. Well, I have to admit, we haven't gotten there yet, but the more this progresses and the more terrible Kane looks, and frankly, the more I'm getting long in the tooth, and I think I speak for a majority of the WWE universe that they're starting to feel that as well. I think with, they're going to put this title Brock. on Braun. 
Uh, it's uh, it's starting to feel that way. The percentages and, are going up. That's maybe for that's sure. the work. Maybe that is the whole work. Well, but it's starting to feel like it, and they got to be in the back and creative, going, "Yeah, maybe we should put it." History would tell us that Braun looking this strong might be a way to make it look like a bigger deal when Brock beats him by pinning Kane. I don't know. It's I'm still not completely sold that he will, but it's definitely becoming more likely. Yeah. Speaking of, of championship matches, though, we did have a championship match this week over in the cruiserweight division. The long-awaited matchup, well, awaited by some people. Yeah. Like two, I was looking like forward two to people. it. Oh, you and one other person. I was looking forward to Cedric taking the belt off of it. <laughs> yeah, I knew that wasn't going to happen. It was uh, <laughs> Enzo versus Cedric Alexander for the cruiserweight championship. Uh... uh as as expected, Enzo still can't wrestle very well, and Cedric is an elite top-level wrestler, so this was just an awkward match to watch. Uh, even before Cedric caught Enzo with like a, I think it was his Enziguri kick or yeah. something caught Enzo. I couldn't quite tell where exactly it happened. It was an Enziguri kick over, he, uh, uh, Cedric was standing on the apron outside the ropes and he did an Enziguri over the top rope. It's funny because it I looked at eyebrow. it again and it looked like it caught him on his left eyebrow, but his right eyebrow was the one that got busted open. But anyway, I did. I don't. Oh, okay. I couldn't. I don't know. At some point, Enzo got busted open, and he had half. He hit himself. And he, he had, did it. That would be great. <laughs> he had half a crimson mask going, yep. which you rarely see, and it looked great, especially because Enzo then uh, uh, went out of the ring. Cedric went tope con hilo over the top, uh, leveled him, and Enzo immediately started grabbing at his ankle as though he'd broken his ankle, and they stopped. He couldn't make the count, and the match was over. Cedric wins, but does not win the belt. Right. Because champions advantage. Because count out. Yep. Yeah. So, but here's the thing. If this had been the planned end for the match, was Enzo busting his foot when, when Cedric hits him on the outside, uh, it would have been a bit of a downer. The fact that Enzo was bleeding like a stuck pig made it look way better. Uh, and actually, in the after sequence, when Enzo's in the back getting tended to by the doctors, and then Nia Jax, who's got a little love story with Enzo going on, comes in to check on him. And he's obviously in pain, but then man's up while the, while she's there, says he's okay. And when she leaves, he curls up in pain again. It made him seem almost sympathetic. As much of kind of like an annoying dick as he is playing now, it made him much more sympathetic. And it made the loss to Cedric make Cedric look a little vicious, which is which is fine. It didn't. I don't think it made him seem fully heelish, but it definitely made Enzo seem way more out of his league and it made it look it made it look like the finish was less that Enzo couldn't hang in the ring and more that he legit got the crap beat out of him. Yeah. So I he did. <laughs> I, I I felt two different ways about this. Like you know, I, I still don't think that they're doing a good job with this division. Like at this point, like it's they're not the Enzo <laughs> experiment worked. Let's be clear about that. For a short time. For sh- but you can't ride that for long term like they're trying to do. Right. That belt needs to change hands. You need to have some Healy, you know, scandalous well, you need, shit to, happening. They need to build more people up that they can conceivably put the belt on. And unfortunately, Enzo is still their biggest star. Well, I mean, they had a good thing going with Drew Gulak. They did, and, and but that's, that's still another, there. But that's another heel. I mean, it's another sure. annoying heel. So why not keep it on Enzo, who's still a bigger draw than Drew, and have Drew be one of his cronies? You know, it doesn't make sense to put it on Drew. But uh, I don't yeah. know. And then and again, like the Nia Love angle seems a little bit facious. Like it's it's all very weird. I'm still not watching 205 Live yet, and they still keep cutting this off of the Hulu edition. So it was on there this week. I'm, I'm guessing because of the blood. It was spot. a championship. And, and the championship And, and, match, and that yeah. sort of thing. The, but the, what the, the part they did cut off, which I was sad about, was that Cedric Alexander got a pep talk from uh, last week's partner, 
that he had a gold dust gave him a pep talk. Oh, really? And classic gold dust fashion. He quoted movies. He came <sighs> in his he came in his Mickey from Rocky. What? It was Mick. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Come on, champ. Little, little toboggan and a cigar. Yep. Yes. Oh, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. <laughs> I'm, I'm sad you didn't get to see it, but it was. Uh, I'll go uh, it look was that good. up online. Yeah. Uh, one thing you shouldn't look up online, though, is some of the stuff that happened in the women's division. We got a little bit of it. Uh, and the stuff that we got, frankly, is my low point of the week. Uh, what's the outcomes? Because well, there's no need to go down over all of it. I mean, what's the, well, what's the we, takeaway? So the not on Hulu edition, we had Bailey and Sasha versus uh, Sonya Deville and Mandy Rose uh, because Paige is injured. So Paige was on the outside. Mickey James was on the outside watching this match. And we've seen this before at this point. We've seen the good girls of Raw versus Absolution. I mean, part of it is that Paige is injured, but... Again, spinning wheels, we've, we've seen it. There's not really a whole lot going on here. There's not a whole lot of new grist being put into the mill. Uh, and at the end of it, Sasha taps out Mandy Rose. That was it. I Hooray. Have, worth, I, worth missing. Didn't need to be on the show. I have an unpopular opinion that I'd like to express. Okay. I think Bailey's done. Uh, I, I, think they're, I think they're moving on. I think something... I would not be surprised if we see something drastic happen. I saw a tweet from her this morning, actually, that said, I'm, her quote, I'm starting to see a pattern here. And, I, and you know, a lot of people are reading into that a certain way and whatnot. It sounds like you're reading into it a certain I am way. I'm definitely reading into that. She, she tends to be that kind of straightforward, vulnerable type of, you know, hard on her sleeve kind of girl. And, I, you know, I hate it, but they've, they've effed her up. Big time. She had one of the biggest opportunities coming out of NXT in the women's division, and they have just absolutely trashed. Yeah, her but I don't think that she's completely a lost cause yet. I just think that she's kind of in that area where you get in WWE. She's like the female Ziggler, where Maybe. you're kind of you're kind of in that middle area where oh well, you're a good worker. Uh, you know, uh, Bubba Ray was talking about Ziggler recently on his on his podcast, yeah. which is ironically now called Busted Open. Uh, not going to say that, uh, we should be talking about, any oh, that's the gimmick, serious show gimmick infringement, but, right. uh, yeah, it's on serious, <laughs> but, uh, but he was talking about how, you know, Ziggler should go somewhere else and build his name up because once WWE thinks of you as a good worker, but not the guy you get stuck in that mid card yeah. for freaking ever. And then until creative has something for you, you're basically sitting in the back. They have something for you for a short period of time, and then, okay, they kick you back to the curb again. Because they need the good worker. They need those good workers to fill up the roster. That's where Bailey's at. She's a good worker. She has a good look. She's over enough. But, you know, she, don't get too far ahead of yourself. You're never going to be the woman. We've got enough of the women. We've got Asuka. We've got Alexa Bliss. We've got Charlotte. We've got Becky Lynch to some lesser extent. Uh, you know, but you're never going to rise above this level. And, it's, it's, and Sasha's kind of falling down to that level, too. So... We'll see if the if the Bailey experiment is completely done or what happens with her. But uh, but but moving on, I just mentioned Alexa Bliss and Oscar. Uh, this is the worst segment of this week, and I'm I'm actually straight up furious about this. Okay. Uh, so Alexa Bliss, um, in an acting tour de force, finds Nia Jax backstage and says, "Hey, you won't believe what Oscar is saying about you." To which Nia responds. Oh, what is she saying about me? If she even said something at all for, I do not trust you, Alexa Bliss. And then Alexa whispers something in her ear and Nia says, oh, really? She said that? And Alexa goes, yes, she did. She's like, that's funny because Asuka doesn't speak English and walks off. I want to applaud you on that performance. Um, I, that, was, that was better than the actual show. <laughs> that doesn't take, that's like, that's, <laughs> that's like saying I'm taller than Danny DeVito. Right. It doesn't yeah. take much. Okay. Look, this was 
again, it's it's hard to describe how awful this was. Besides the really awful canned writing, the fact that both of these girls can't deliver these lines effectively, the fact that it sounds like a 14-year-old CW show and that Nia Jax has a problem with that to begin with because she has a Valley Girl accent, which makes her going, oh my God, really? Yeah. Sound even worse. But in addition... To have Alexa Bliss pulling this kind of catty shit in a woman's division that you're trying to tell me is a revolution right now. This is the top of the division. This is the champ is doing this catty shit again after doing the whole awful Mickey James angle about being old. When it comes to the guys, it's just a matter of who's better, who's competitive, blah, blah, blah. When it's the women, it has to be this catty he said, she said shit. And in this particular instance, it's particularly offensive to me. And I don't want to get on the whole, that's racist rant. But dude, first of all, Asuka has spent two years trying to learn English. And the last couple times I heard her cut a promo, sounded pretty damn good speaking English. Agreed. One. Two, to have this shoved in our face that, oh, she's the foreigner who can't speak English. Ha, 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 is bullshit at this point. If you want Asuka to get over, why are you highlighting that? Why the actual hell are you trying to shove it in our faces that Asuka, quote, can't speak English? We know she can. We know she can. She just did last week. It's, it's nonsense. It's, it's, this was so dumb on so many levels, and especially at this, at this level of the women's division, it's another one of those instances where the, the hypocrisy of the WWE when it comes to their women is just it's to me it's beyond the pale just come on are you listening creative we're talking to you and we know you listen every now and then <laughs> this yeah, is stop Im- stealing our ideas this is important. no but in all seriousness no you make a very good point this is this is very important because have some of have, let's use shinsuke as an example he has had trouble cutting promos because of either his accent or his uh his Lack of command of the English language. Sure. Uh, fine. That is what it is. Just because he has doesn't mean every Asian superstar cannot speak English clearly. We saw her when she relinquished her title, give an amazing kind of farewell speech in NXT. She's had several speaking opportunities on the roster. And like you said, she sounds fine. When she said she was entering the Rumble and coming for Alexa Bliss, she sounded great. Yes. You know what I mean? And, I'm, and this is not one of those things where you know, the special kid's able to cross the street by himself and you say, oh, what a good job. This is legitimately like, uh, this is someone who, again, we always say with wrestling, accentuate the strengths, hide the weaknesses. And with Shinsuke Nakamura, to have him doing promos, big, long WWE-style promos, that's dumb. You're going to make, you're setting him up to fail. Yep. And to cut Asuka's legs off before you even get it, give her a chance in this particular instance, is ridiculous. And it makes Alexa Bliss look terrible to do this. It makes Nia Jax look terrible. The only thing good that came out of this was that Asuka had an entrance later on where she was going to kill some jobber, and Nia came out and murdered her. Just show me that. I knew that Nia was, you know, Asuka was on Nia's radar. Great. Have them start the feud with that. Why have this high school BS? This high school BS that, that, by the way, has an additional level to it that undercuts what should be one of your biggest stars in Asuka. And then you have her come out and lose for... Not, it wasn't even a match match. No, she just got slammed down was, by yeah. Naya, who did, by the way, a front somersault senton that looked oh, devastating. Awesome. Uh, do, I, do, I do like me some Nia Jax a lot. I know you have had your reservations. I still have them. 
but uh, I I think that she's. she's I, I have money. my reservations about Nia her hurting people. So it's it's the way she does throws and anyway. I, Sasha at this she point may has have learned a, a lot. Sasha at this point has a worse record. Uh, I'm just gonna say that's fair. You have no problem with Sasha. Well, hey, let's uh, let's stop beating that dead horse and uh, let's. That horse ain't gonna be dead for a while. That's, I, I understand. Ooh. What else went down that? Nobody gave a shit about her. Didn't even make the Hulu edition. <laughs> People give a shit about this because Matt Hardy did make the uh, make the Hulu edition where he beat Kurt Hawkins, oh, who's now right. zero and one hundred and fifty three. One hundred fifty three losses straight for poor Mister Hawkins. Uh, and uh, so Matt Hardy beat him pretty handily. He's got his new music now. Uh, he doesn't have a new Tron yet. He still has the old Matt Hardy Titan Tron, which he called out on Twitter as saying, uh, you know, he's got to get Vanguard one in there to fix that. <laughs> if he comes out with a goddamn drone, I will. Uh, that's going to save the Woken Hardy thing for me. I'll tell you that right now. Okay. But uh, but so anyway, he beat Kurt Hawkins and then Bray teleports into the ring as Bray does. Right. And uh, they have a laugh off. They just laugh in each other's faces for five minutes for for what felt like days. It just it didn't stop. And they didn't cut to commercial or anything. And just I, th- wow, okay, they're letting this go. Damn, this is still going. Okay, wow, cut to commercial, guys. This is, is silly. Is is does has WWE completely missed what makes the yes. Woken gimmick cool? Yes, they have. It's it's done. They've killed it. It's they fucked but, it up. Like who's whose fault is it? Is it Matt's fault for not pushing for more creative stuff? Because when he was on TNA, there was always something crazy that was going on. Like and every week it was like something. It, it centered one for one thing. It centered more around. The Woken character. It wasn't an afterthought on the show. Well, like, you it feels nailed like here. it the last couple of weeks when you were saying they took it straight to 11 right off the bat. There was no build. There was no nothing. There was no just him showing up, doing the crazy yeah. laugh randomly in the middle of a match or, you know, uh, Bray controlling him and breaking his mind or anything. like Nothing. It's just all of a sudden just he started boom, laughing. He's Woken. And it's, it's off-putting, especially for an audience that had kind of grown tired of it and wasn't, it wasn't as into it as they were last April uh, and now with some of these weird mannerisms where there's not really the the same cool factor to it it's just weird for weird sake it's not weird and campy and fun uh, it's just yeah it's not connecting they could still save this they could but they're not going to save it in in Tennessee where this show took, pl- took place <laughs> because that crowd was freaking awful if you were in that arena you should be ashamed of yourself I could have sworn we were at Corpus Christi this week but- Jesus uh, no, they could still save this by having Bray somehow figure out how to control him in a way that would, I don't know, shut him down, something. Figure out something because you can't just have the two dudes standing in the ring laughing at each other and expect that you to could be save both of them. You make a good point. You could save both of them by showing that Bray still is a mastermind and have him control Matt Hardy in some way, be like the power behind Matt Hardy, and still have Woken Matt Hardy be this, you know, crazy character and do all the things that he does. I got it. I got it. I just figured it out. Bray Wyatt figures out how to take control of Woken Matt Hardy over the course of the next few weeks or whatever until... With his swamp hypnosis. Oh! Right. Until uh-huh. Brother Nero makes his return and has to feud. And now you have Woken yeah, Matt Woken versus Matt Brother, Brother Nero mm, fighting off. Brother Nero's kind of like a zombie that was controlled. Yeah, but I that's mean, the feud, though. That's uh, the, 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 the broken Matt Hardy was fighting Brother Nero or trying to release him from his well, possession or whatever it was. I, I could see that. They could still save this. I it don't depends know. on Jeff coming back. It's, it's, it's still going to be a fine line. It's going to take a lot of detail work that I don't think that they're up for. Like I said before, this doesn't work for me without Jeff. This, this, 
I need Jeff in this as Brother Nero for the story to have, and he needs somebody to bounce off. Frankly, of. there needs to be a lot more elements to this besides goldfish, chess pieces, and laughing a lot. Yes, uh, in my opinion, there's oh, a lot oh. more done here. Otherwise, it's just it's so far it's a failure. It's so bad. And it's sad. Uh, after after how long we waited for it, sad. Uh, speaking of which, speaking of failures, Titus Worldwide. Uh, can't remember the last time they won a match, but they did this week. Uh, they beat the bar. What? What? I have, I have so much to say what? about this, but the show is already running crazy long. At yeah, this we're point. going we're going long here. But that being said, real real quick, Titus Worldwide beat the bar clean. All right, now is this because they've been jobbing for so long? Is this a way of making them look more legit so they can go face the revival? And if so, what's with the hot shotting wins all of a sudden? Uh, I think the bar's done. Uh, either they're going to go make a movie or something, or they're going to get. They've ri- got a match at Royal Rumble with who? With with Seth and JJ. Oh, okay. So what, we got two more weeks. So why I'll be have impressed the bar lose up. to Titus Worldwide if they've got a match against? Uh, anyway, it was crazy. Uh, I, I'll be impressed if that stays because here's why: you've got the Miz back with the Miz Taraj. I think they're going to legitimize Dallas and Axel to an extent to make them a legit three man faction, Freebird faction. I think you've got Finn running with the Good Brothers now. Right, you got the revival coming back at some point when they stop getting injured. So I I think that and now you've got Seth Dean or sorry Seth JJ which is going to be a long running thing because Dean's out upwards of nine months. It's not going to be that long. I think it'll be nine months worth. Well, I'll tell you that. So, so there's a lot going on outside of what the I think the bar has run its course. If I'm being honest, I don't think so. I think the bar is completely over. I think that at this point they could they could run the division for a while, but not if they lose to Titus Worldwide. That's why it's so confusing to me. I, I don't see them breaking this team up anytime soon. They don't need more guys in the mid or upper card. As we said, it's better to have these big guys working together as tag teams because that's when you can get more of them on TV because you have such a huge freaking roster. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not sure what the point was other than to try and strengthen up Titus Worldwide to face the Revival or someone else. I mean... Please don't put the Revival hot, against Titus Worldwide. It's, it's hot. They're gonna. That's a death it's, sentence. It's, it's just... It's hot-shotting. It's the problem with WWE and their win-loss thing is that you can have people win one week and all of a sudden they're on... They have momentum, quote-unquote, and they're they're getting hot. Sorry, it's... People who watch this show on the regular, win-losses matter. We know when someone's a jobber and when they beat someone like... In this case, the bar, it makes the bar look awful and it makes it look like a fluke for Titus Worldwide. Not that they're suddenly strong or anything. I mean, uh, you know, the only thing really memorable about this was the fact that it, you know, the, the gif of Dana Brooke uh, dancing with Titus Worldwide on the way back up the, the stage uh, went completely viral because that girl almost had a wardrobe malfunction, but uh, which, you know, hey, and she's getting over with it. Great. But aside from that, I did not see the point of this at all. Well, hey, speaking of wardrobe malfunctions, we had a little bit of a malfunction or several going on over on SmackDown Live. Well, on what I felt was a, a bit of a down SmackDown, this bit of a bit of a, a lesser episode of SmackDown this week. What what did you think was this malfunction that you mentioned, Nick? Um, the fact that it took twenty minutes for somebody to get their hands on each other uh, on SmackDown on a ninety-minute show of SmackDown Live. Really? That's, I is that a new thing? Looked well. Yeah, kind of. You're doing something that's very raw, pun intended, where you're having these long opening dialogue-driven kind of promos and sit-downs and things like this. SmackDown is very traditionally like, let's come out, five, maybe ten minutes, and we get right to the matches because we got a shorter format. we got to get some stuff done. This week, we start out with AJ Styles and Renee Young sitting in the ring for ten minutes, 
another 10 minutes worth of stuff in the backstage. And I remember specifically looking and I hit pause and play again. So it would show the timer at the bottom when Charlotte, uh, the, the women's match that we started out with, that was the first time somebody got hands on each other. And it was more than 20 minutes into the, sh- into the 90 minute show. See, this is the thing. This didn't feel like anything unusual for me. We've had, uh, Smackdowns that open with Daniel Bryan and Shane talking to each other about stuff that's going on. We've had matches getting set up. Daniel Bryan coming out and saying what's going to happen on the show. This doesn't seem like something that's that unusual. What was, un- what was unusual was, as you said, it was a sit down interview and that made it feel less, I don't know if exciting is the word, but it just, it seemed like a very kind of flat opening to the mm-hmm. show. I'll agree with you on that. Uh, and, and that's through no fault of AJ or Renee's. This was actually, I thought a good segment, but I thought it would have been a good segment that was better, better used in the middle of the show. And this was basically AJ explaining his feelings about being put into this handicap match with Sammy and uh, Kevin Owens. We'll have AJ come out on his own and just pace around in the ring and do the exact same thing that they did. I don't understand the sit-down interview type of thing. If you want to put something like that on social media, fine. But that's not what I... Eh, it yeah, didn't it work. Did, I, I agree that it didn't work for the top of the show, but I, I wouldn't say that just having a talking segment at the top is anything new. But this particular style of it is, is definitely unusual. 20 and minutes. It, it felt like it went a little long. Renee asked him one too many questions, and then uh, having uh, Shane come out and tell AJ that, well, you know, don't worry, buddy. Tonight you've got a, a handicap match against Kevin Owens and uh, Sami Zayn, who also had come out and were on the on the ramp, um, and it'll be AJ Shinsuke Nakamura and Randy Orton against uh, uh, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Uh, which and then we had the nice little awkward moment. Uh, Shane goes in the back and meets Daniel Bryan and Gorilla, and uh, Daniel they both had that awkward little moment where Daniel Bryan goes, "No, it's a good main event, man. Congratulations, congratulations!" Their hand. And it's yeah. just really awkward and. Uh, their interactions are it's always just like it's kind of skin crawlingly awkward these days and it's great i still love that but but the big feud this big feud that's going on between shane daniel bryan kevin owens Sami Zayn, and and aj and now a little bit of randy orton shinsuke nakamura um it's it's convoluted but it's clear enough that we've seen a lot of these dynamics now maybe a few too many times it's starting to get a little stale on some aspects of it uh, through really no fault of the performers. It's just that some of the stuff's getting redundant. Yeah. Um, and the only parts of it that I felt were new this week was uh, we're finding different dynamics between Shane and Daniel Bryan. There was a nice bit halfway through where Shane questioned Daniel Bryan's matchmaking and Daniel Bryan. And he said that, you know, I feel like you're being a little bit, uh, I, I forget the word he used, but something to the effect of, um, hot-headed or you know acting kind of crazy and daniel bryan said well you know that's funny i think you're acting the same way but then again it's in your bloodline it's in your gene pool to, to be that way and that's woo, i i had a i had an actual reaction to that where i was on my couch and i just went oh ooh, like had a, a verbal reaction to daniel bryan saying that and that's how invested i am in their little feud that's going on yeah um and yeah, that's that part of it is still working for me. And one other little aspect that came out this week when AJ and Randy and Shinsuke were all discussing how they were going to go into this handicap match they had this this evening. And uh, Randy says, yeah, yeah, I'm going to RKO everyone. That's what I'm going to do, AJ. But then I'm going to come for your title once I win the, win the Rumble. And AJ goes, that's fine. Pan over and we see Shinsuke. And all Shinsuke does is too sweet the title and go, yeah, me too, pretty much. Like, uh, and that was interesting because Randy and Shinsuke have had this little tension going for the last couple of weeks. Yeah. 
So it makes me wonder if they're teasing a Randy Shinsuke and AJ triple threat at Mania. If there's going to be Randy and Shinsuke at Mania and someone else is going to be with AJ at Mania. That's that little bit made me think. But aside from that, the rest of this feud has been kind of it was kind of dull this week. It made no sense to me uh, having Shinsuke and, and Randy kind of make that kind of proclamation because you've been nowhere near this. Like how do we've got to build? You're nowhere near the number one contendership. But, for the WWE Championship. But this is what they do in Rumble season is they make it sound, they try to get as many people yeah. in your mind that could win the Rumble and you think, could they win the Rumble and then they would go after the belt. It makes everyone put their intentions out there that they want to go for the belt, right? Yep. That's part of what this was. If, if Randy Orton wins the Royal Rumble, I will, I'll, I'll do this. I'll shave my head if we're if really Rand, if Randy Orton, wait a minute if Randy Orton I just woke up and, and I got long hair I've been growing it for more than a you year you got now. longer hair than me right now so I'll shave my head if Randy Orton wins the Royal Rumble wow there's no effing way wait Randy a minute Orton. wait a, I'll, I'll give you an out here I'll give you an out because you're such a Braun Strowman mark shave your head like Braun Strowman with the ponytail like the long oh, like center God. thing with the ponytail that only yep. works in North Carolina yep. uh, well tough it's, you're, <laughs> ca- you're calling Randy to not you saying you don't want him to win Come on, put it on the line, buddy. I'm not going to do that, but I, what I will do is I will go to an outfit called St. Baldrick's, which is a, they, they do head shavings for children's cancer research, and I will shave my head at St. Baldrick's. You guys are hearing it here first. If Randy Orton wins the Royal Rumble, because there right. is no way that Randy Orton is going back to the WWE title. Uh, yes, yes, we have a we have a we have a lovely long history on this show of having statements like that will never happen. <laughs> Come back to bite us in the ass. Remember this moment. Uh, but, yes. but really, really quickly, getting back to this match, uh, you had the three on two beatdown. And uh, this was a dynamic that was that didn't quite work for me because you had Shinsuke, Randy and AJ beating down Kevin Owens and Sammy. They tried to go leave and get the count out. Shane McMahon comes out and says, no, 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 you can't get counted out. This is now a no count out match. Restart the match. Right. And then they try to grab a chair and they get disqualified. And Shane comes out and goes, no, no, no. Restart the match. It's now no DQ. And then, of course, uh, Kevin Owens gets chased off by AJ with a chair and Sammy Zayn basically gets murdered in the ring by Randy and Shinsuke. Uh, RKO, Kinshasa, RKO, you know, murder, murder, murder. And this, to me, again, we had the same problem with the last time that this happened and the faces stood tall at the end. This felt, again, like the heels were the faces and the faces were the heels. It didn't feel like justice was served. But yet we're being told these are the bad guys, these are the good guys, but it felt it a little bit inverted. Like, Shane, that's a dick move, dude. You're basically trying to get these two guys beaten up. You're trying to get them injured and hurt. You're just basically doing this so that they will get beaten down because of your personal vendetta against them. But we're being told you're the good guy. And Daniel Bryan, we're being told, is the bad guy because he's trying to give these guys their fair shake to counter all the stuff that you're doing. I like Shades of Grey, but this is weird because I'm not sure what you're trying to tell me. It feels backwards a little bit. It feels upside down. It's the upside down. It's the upside down. Well, hey, we had another round of the United... Actually, the last match of the first round of the U.S. title championship bracket challenge, whatever they call those. Uh, we had Mojo Raleigh facing off against his now bitter enemy, Zack Ryder. His ex-tag partner, yes. Uh, which, you know... Yeah, he won. What a shock. Great. We all called that. At right? least the match was somewhat quick. It was. 
was over pretty quickly. But we did have Bobby Roode at ringside. On- For no reason. Well, I don't know. He That's who Mojo is going to face in the next round of the U.S. title bracket. Right. So, Why was he at ringside? So that they could come in and have their face-off kind of moment, and that was that. But th- Which Mojo walked away from and made him look like, I don't want to deal with Bobby Roode right now. Bobby uh, Roode, was, he wasn't we, there on commentary. Why wasn't he on commentary? Roode can talk. To put him on TV, I Bobby guess. Bobby Roode can know. talk. Why was it? was This was just weird. This so was a weird, the awkward. glorious entrance on TV. Huh? And then, yeah, they, exactly. Kind of it. Just to do the, the entrance. And they're overexposing it like so many things. They're overexposing his entrance. People caring less and less and less about it. Maybe Dolph Ziggler had a point. Maybe. 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 All right. So but speaking of speaking of whom, real quick, well, you mentioned you mentioned Dolph Ziggler. Yeah. Uh, I'm calling it right now. Uh, they have the the U.S. title championship match at Royal Rumble. Yep. And uh, some whoever wins, Dolph Ziggler comes out, super kicks him, and says, "I never dropped the title." Pulls a CM Punk and is like, "I'm the real champ still. This is a fake champ." Calling it now. Interesting. Calling I thought you now. were going to say he'd be a surprise entry into the Royal Rumble, but that's even better. That's even more interesting. Uh, I still have Mojo be sneaking it away and pulling it off, if I'm being honest. I think they're going to put that on him. We'll just see. Just to give him a little I, I big rocket ship boost. I think that it would be good for him, but I don't think he's beating Bobby Roode. Eh, I really fair. don't. Uh, speaking of which, uh, Gable and Benjamin came out and demanded their own justice for the just the bad way that they got treated last week. It's not their fault they pinned the the wrong twin. Yeah, well, this was the, we called this out last week. We said that uh, you know there was a, there was a big uh, open hole here that they could walk through with the ending of this awesome match that they had last week with the Usos. Oh, that du- was good with the dusty finish. We said there was a big chance here for Gable and Benjamin to come back and say we were robbed. We deserve another chance, and that's what they did this week. Is the first time they had a true full heel promo in the center of the ring. Called the audience a bunch of losers. Really went for it. Uh, it was fun. Nice. Uh, Gable can talk. Benjamin uh, is good with him. Uh, and Daniel Bryan came out to address their issues and uh, made a match. Uh, he's getting onto this thing now where people are suggesting their own matches kind of thing. Like they don't realize they're doing it. And he is like, oh, that's it. That's a good idea. We'll do that. And people, they're like, what? What did we say? He's like, well, you're in a match now. Like, what? Uh? So it's kind of what he's doing now, which I dig. Uh, people are basically digging their own graves. Uh, except in this case, I feel like he put them in a stipulation that that could be argued favors them because it's going to be a two out of three falls match for the tag team titles at the Royal Rumble. Shelton Benjamin and Chad Gable versus the Usos. I'm all over this. Oh, my God. I'm all over this. Yep. Uh, uh, nothing else needs to be said. The, the shining saving light of SmackDown right now is the top of their tag division. Ask me if I'm excited about this. Are you excited about this? Oh, hell yeah! Well, things that I'm not excited about are the things that SmackDown just blatantly stole from Raw this week. There was two major... I'm not even going to say plot points. Just almost whole matches they stole from Raw. Remember how we were talking about Titus Worldwide randomly beating the bar? Yeah. Breezango randomly beat Rusev Day. Yeah, that was weird. It was... I mean, I love Brizango getting a win. They need to be made to look legitimate again, but what? And not, not only did they beat him, it was on a surprise roll-up. The exact same move. Beat him. And then not only that, over in the women's division, you had Becky facing off against Ruby Riot, and she tapped her out. Just like Sasha Banks tapped out uh, Mandy Rose on Raw. What? Could you guys, you know, maybe not completely copy the show that happened the night before. And in addition, with the with the Ruby Riot tap out, by the way, Mandy Rose is a member of Absolution. She's not the Correct. leader, right? 
it still keeps the stable looking strong. Like, fine. Sasha's a killer. Fine. Right. Becky's a killer, too. Why have her tap out the leader? Yeah, it could have been Sarah Logan or Liv. It, it you know? undermines the whole stable to do that. It makes the Riot Squad look even more like jabronis. It would have made the Riot Squad look better if it had been one of the, the side ones, and that gives uh, Ruby Riot some fire to come back yeah. and get revenge. It's, I, this was, come on, creative. This was mind by The booking here you guys made know no this sense. Stuff. Made, no, they don't. <laughs> it, made it, it made it no sense to me. I thought this was, oh. I thought it was an inexcusable booking decision that's just, it's just making their women's division, which has been a problem for a while, it makes it look even more awkward. They have had a problem with the heels on on SmackDown in the women's division. And this is one of the reasons why they've had that problem. But a problem with the women's division, period, on SmackDown Live. The other thing I'm having a problem with is whatever the hell is going on between the Bludgeon Brothers and Ascension, because now Ascension had a match this week. And I got behind this. Oh, I, I really? knew that it would ultimately culminate in this. And I actually thought it would be a legit match, not a goofy squash. Really? I, th- I thought there would. I thought they would get oh, here. Oh, my sweet, sweet summer because child. everything building to this has kind of been that weird, goofy thing, and I thought the Ascension would be the ones that finally knocked off, stopped. You apparently haven't those. watched an Ascension match in the last two years. They, uh, they've only had like two. Well, those two would tell you that this match the was going to be a squash. <laughs> yeah, it was going to be it was going to be bad. I get it. It's fine. But I, at the bottom of the card like this, I thought there would be a chance. We just we saw Brizango knock off Rusev Day and you're telling me there's no chance Ascension can beat the Bludgeon Brothers. This needs to go somewhere quick because yes. this is completely dead to me and you're getting a lot of talent just lost here. Uh, that I, is a great way to sum up SmackDown Live in its current state. Well, everything outside of that main storyline picture right now, and maybe the tag division to an extent, a little bit of the is US kind title of on picture. this downward slide. There's good stuff here. This was a down week. I'm not going to throw out the baby with the bathwater yet. This was a down week, but there's still a lot of good stuff here. There's a lot of possibilities. I, I, I again, we're in the doldrums on the way to the Rumble. This was just a down week. Well, I certainly hope the Rumble lives up to what we're having to get through to get there. Man, I've been disappointed in the Rumble the last few years. Like, I need, yeah. a, I need a good Rumble. I love me some Rumble. I, I need a good one because the last three, four years have been freaking terrible. I don't know. AJ coming out a couple years ago was pretty badass. A small moment <laughs> in an otherwise awful Rumble. All right. Well, let's talk about what went down outside of the main rosters this week. Over on NXT, we had uh, the debut, I guess you could say, of in-ring work of Shayna Baszler. Oh, on, in, on, in, on NXT, not on the NXT. Mae Young. Yeah, yeah. Yes, outside of the Mae Young. Had a match against Dakota Kai. And I'm going to... Spoiler alert. This was hard to watch. There were a couple of moments in this where you're just like... Oh, you kind of knew ow. that Shayna was going to come out and kill her. The audience was chanting, Shayna's going to kill you. I was chanting, Shayna was going to kill you. But the, she broke Dakota Kai's arm. Yes. Uh, in kayfabe. Just don't don't worry. It's in kayfabe. Don't spoil it for everybody. But uh, the way that she broke Dakota Kai's arm was alarming. It was They did it in a very good way where it looked, it looked absolutely terrifying. Yes. Um, and then they showed replays of it 27 times. Yeah, it's uh, one of those that. moves that, I mean, had they screwed it up at all, she would have legit injured her. Oh, her, so it ripped was her shoulder out of sight. Perfectly done, but, and it, but it was done so well that you could show it in total slow motion, and it still looked like she broke this poor girl's arm. Uh, but Shayna Baszler, yeah, gunning for the for Ember Moon's championship. They have her coming out the gates hot and looking scary as hell. Had a backstage segment with Regal. 
uh, basically Regal saying that's not how we do things here. And she's like, are we done here? Yeah. And no. walks off. They're doing a great Woo! job with her. She's got, she's going to, she's going to be big. Uh, speaking of big Cassius Ono had a match against Raul Mendoza. Uh, Raul's one of those guys who like, he shows up every once in a while. He's a great hand. Every time he does something, he always has like a cool, a couple cool spots. Cassius Ono got a much needed win here. Uh, he's very over with the crowd. Yeah, this was, a, this was a nice little match on an, on an otherwise fairly packed show. This was a nice little match. Yeah. Uh, next, we had an AOP come out of nowhere and give a, an actual promo. The boys talked. They talked, and then they started in English, and then they, I'm not sure their nationality, so you guys forgive me. Well, actually, actually, a, a, a com, they're both Canadian. Uh, no, excuse me. A com is Canadian, but he's ethnically Punjabi, Sikh Punjabi. Huh. And then uh, Rezar is, uh, he's Dutch Albanian. He's, he's, he's an ethnic Kosovo Albanian. Huh. Uh, from Albania. That didn't sound like Punjabi. I would uh, no, sorry. He's, he's he was born in the Netherlands, but uh, but yeah, he's Albanian. But uh, I, I don't know if I again, I don't know enough about either of those languages to be able to tell which one speak like if they're both speaking Albanian or one of them speaking Punjabi and the other one speaking Albanian or what or what it is. But they were alternating between. Uh, English and another language. We'll put it that way. Yeah, if you guys know what it is, send us a tweet at BWO Podcast. I'd genuinely love to know. I what would it love was. to know because we haven't heard these guys talk before, other than yelling in the ring. Yeah. Uh, and so, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, it sounded really good. Yeah, it did. It. They. I mean, so I, it sounded mean. They're hot. They want their titles back. And only tell one third of what they were talking about. But I, I was I actually. It, I don't, you know what the funny thing is? I don't think it matters. I, don't, I think no, they doesn't. got their point across. Yeah, they did because I'm actually more scared of them when they're talking than they are if they're just sitting there going. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it was scarier. Yeah. It made them because giving them that auspice of intelligence on top of their physical size and their intimidation factor. It's great. And of course, you know, then you have. Paul Ellering looking like Satan himself leaning to the camera going, we're coming for our titles. Well, this led to another segment with William Regal and the street prophets of all people that have basically said, have now been set up in a number one contenders match against AOP to find out who's going to go chase down the NXT tag team championship. I, I, ha I have to apologize. I have come around so hard on the street prophets, man. Uh, you know, I, I was writing them off as kind of being a modern, uh, too cool right. at the beginning. And yeah, the more, summer. yeah. And the, but the more I see of them on TV and the more uh, of their individual character, they're allowed, uh, they're allowed to give the, the more I'm totally into them. They're, they're awesome. But uh, yeah, they're going to be facing AOP for the, I guess, the number one contendership. For the titles, uh, they seemed like they were hesitantly excited. Yep. Uh, I'm full on excited. Can't wait. That's going to be a great one. Uh, none of this really matters because War Machine's coming to NXT and War Machine versus Heavy Machinery. Are they coming to NXT or are I they going to go straight so. to main roster? I don't know. I'm just saying. I don't know. And I'm saying. Uh, another segment we had Zelina Vega giving an interview about uh, the upcoming match between Johnny Gargano and her boy Andrade. Cien Almas, tranquilo way. This was a this was great. Once again, proving Zelina Vega is basically the diminutive female Paul Heyman. She is fantastic. She is. Uh, this is the best thing that could have happened to Andrade Cien Almas. Uh, it made me excited for the match. It gave me a lot of insight into how they feel about Gargano. It put him in an interesting light. She did make reference that he's only popular because of his. To Champa, because she of made Ch reference because, yeah. to Champa last year. Of course, year. You and I was like, "Oh shit!" Oh, it was good. It was good stuff. 
Um, and then a, there was another segment with Johnny Gargano reacting that I didn't entirely understand, but Velveteen Dream came in and basically said Johnny Gargano is only number one contender because Velveteen Dream wasn't because Cassius Ono took him out or something like that. I didn't quite understand it. Is Ciampa showing up at TakeOver to mess with Gargano that during is the championship the, match? That's the conventional wisdom. That's the conventional wisdom. I believe Ooh, he'll be healthy here. time. I'm excited. I, even, <laughs> it's one of those things where, you know, it's sometimes you want things in wrestling to be unpredictable, and some things you want things that are predictable to actually happen because it's just going to be so freaking awesome that I don't, yeah, I don't care if Champa comes out and costs him the title. I can't freaking wait for that to happen. I want it to happen. If it doesn't, fine, do something else, cool, great. But if it does, that'll be great. Next up, Lars came out and, uh, well, he destroyed Leo Rush, which was fine <laughs> with an avalanche, not just a normal, uh, what did they call it? Well, he Freak beat him. So, so Leo it? Rush, again, we were kind of worried that he was going to be on the back burner for a while because of the stuff he said about Emma, and he was on the outs for a while legitimately in the company. Uh, it looks like he's still kind of paying his dues because they basically had Lars Sullivan come out and murder him. It was still a fun match, Leo bouncing around the place like a little mouse and Lars being the big dog trying to catch him. Uh, but he eventually caught him. And gave him that freak accident move that's kind of like the side, like the big old slam, old running slam, yeah, like a running urinagi. Running, almost. yeah, it's it's. But it's he a, grabs him by the waist. That's the thing I've noticed. Yeah. Is instead of going up over the shoulder like that, I'm sure there's a wrestling term that Mauro Ronaldo could pull out of the back of his ass and and tell us what exactly it was. But but I, he took him up to the top rope. We had well, not seen this yet. Yes, he did, and uh, and just threw him all the way down onto the mat, and so hard that he involuntarily sat back up for a second, just from the. From the bounce. Crumpled. Great sell by Leo's on Leo's and part. And he just looked like he went into a seizure, and it was kind of scary But Nick, for you, a missed, you missed a certain aspect of this. The reason that he gave poor little Leo Rush this avalanche uh, freak accident slam was because he had just, after beating Leo in this match, turned to the camera and said, I can beat everybody, but I've met one person along all my all, the, all this way that actually matched up to me, and I want, I want that again because I want to destroy it, and that's Killian Dane. And then he, so he challenged Killian Dane to a match and then murdered Leo Rush as the exclamation point. Yeah, I can't wait for that. Remember, remember in that four way what uh, the two of them got up to. Oh, yeah. If they do that, some, do some of that again, mm-hmm. please. I'm in. So, please. Well, last but certainly not least, the Undisputed Era had a spot backstage where they were, they were supposed to have a match, a championship def- title defense match tonight against Sanity. And instead, backstage, they ransacked him, they ambushed him, beat him all up. And then come out to the ring to gloat, saying, Hell, where's Sanity? We can't find them anywhere. Only to have William Regal come out and go, No, you will be defending your tag team championships tonight. He but can- only if we could find somebody to do it. I'll do it, says Roderick Strong as he comes out and of the here back. Here comes Roderick I, Strong I would like to, to say, uh, I'll do it. I'll do it. Uh, but he did get some help in the form of Alistair Frickin' Black, and this well, was made to, into surprised. a match. I was surprised we didn't get a story about you know the trailer park he came from and the sad story and his wife and his kids. Oh, and come on. Kind of- Jesus, give him a break. I mean, Roderick Strong, okay. And then he gets in the ring, and he's amazing. He's amazing. He's the modern-day Dean Malenko, only he's just more exciting in the ring than Dean ever was. He's just, he's, he's, he's like you said, robotic outside of it. I didn't hold a candle to his ability. Sorry. What? Oh, no, no, no. Dean Malenko may be a better technical wrestler, but Roddy's definitely more of an exciting wrestler in the ring. That's Fine. a whole conversation for another day. Anyway, we ain't got time for that shit. We ain't got time for that. Alistair Black and Roderick Strong against uh, Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish for the NXT Tag Titles. 
Obviously, Adam Cole on the outside. Shenanigans ensued. It was a great. It was a good match. Sure. Hard hitting as we expected. There's some good, like some good no sell spots in this. Ultimately, Adam does get involved. Alistair chases him up the ring, up the up the side stairs. Excuse me. Meanwhile, back in the ring, Roderick Strong gets double teamed for the loss. Uh, and then afterwards, there's a pretty long beat up session on good old Alistair Black. End up putting him through a chair, and then William Regal comes out to say, "Hey." Hey, Adam, remember that uh, match that we booked for you at TakeOver between you and Aleister Black? It's Extreme Rules now. It's now an Extreme Rules match. Which is a fancy way of saying anything goes. Anything goes, weapons, outside interference. I am excited. I am excited for this. So chairs and kendo sticks and tables. I'm down. Yep, I'm, I'm down. I'm, I'm in. I mean, we saw Adam Cole in the War Games match get involved with all of those implements that Killian Dane ended up coming in and... and you know, enabling everybody to yeah. use, right? Uh, we've never seen Aleister Black do anything other than kind of a strong style strikers match. So I'm interested to see what happens when he gets a bunch of weapons. He gets his hands on some objects. Some implements. Yes. Ugh. Well, that's and so that's all very exciting going forward. Uh, we have some other notes to get to before we say goodbye. Yes, yes. Uh, so a couple of other notes. Kenny Omega, who people were saying was an outside uh, dark horse chance to show up at the Royal Rumble this year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, you're wrong. He's not showing up. Yeah, I was wrong. He just re-signed to New Japan for another year. He'll be there until this time next year at the very least. This is not surprising at all. They probably paid that man his money. They paid him his money because he made them so much money at Wrestle Kingdom. They had a 35% increase in subscriptions on the New Japan website Wow! just for Wrestle Kingdom. Thanks, and, Chris Jericho. And, uh, Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega, I mean, that match was the match of the show. If you watch that show, uh, it was definitely, uh, they lived, it lived up to the hype. And it was interesting, I was listening to, the, the, to Jericho's podcast where the two of them talk about the psychology of the match, how they did it. What went down in the match? Oh, I have changed, to listen to that. Change stuff in the match. How Red Shoes like wasn't communicating with them well. Like they had to figure out how to get him to do what they wanted him to do in the match. How New Japan screwed up Kenny Omega's entrance. It was all fascinating to to listen to. Holy shit! Um, okay, but one of the you know they they broke it all down. It was it was fascinating to listen to. It was the match of the show, and it certainly obviously raised New Japan's profile over here in the U.S. among other things. Uh, Kenny Omega also recently was interviewed uh, by, I believe, Bleacher Report, and he said that uh, Roman Reigns saying that he's the best in the world is, quote, ridiculous. I'll give you the first quote, though. Uh, he said, I don't, uh, the full quote. Uh, he said, I don't know if Roman was uh, put up to saying a comment like that from a social media team or if it was something that he consciously thought of himself, but I thought it was pretty smart of him to do, to say, because it just became instantly a topic that people were talking about, and just because it sounds so ridiculous. By no means do I actually think he believes in those words. There's no possible way, mm. which I think was pretty much our takeaway as well. I think Kenny Omega hit it right on the head because if there's a conversation for best in the world, Kenny's in that conversation way more than Roman is. And I think that he really hit it on the head without actually saying that about himself. Um, in other New Japan news, really quickly, we are looking forward to some of their uh, their upcoming shows, New Beginnings uh, in Sapporo and Osaka. Will Ospreay versus Hiromu Takahashi for the Junior Heavyweight Championship will be at New Beginning. Nice. I will tune in just for that. Uh, we're also they're also teasing that Minoru Suzuki, after losing his never open weight belt to Goto uh, at uh, at uh, Wrestle Kingdom. He's now gunning for Tanahashi and his Intercontinental belt. No shit. Which I'm, I'm all about. 
Freshly shaved head and all. Yeah, he looks like even more of a psychopath than he normally does. <laughs> and then in addition, it has been confirmed the next challenger for Kazuchika Okada's IWGP heavyweight belt will be... Toriyana. S- no. Oh. <laughs> Although, I would watch that. Uh, no, it will be Sonata from Los Ingobernables, the new tag, one of the new tag champs, new heavyweight tag champs. Sonata will be going after his uh, heavyweight belt. I think he has about a zero mm, percent chance of taking that belt off of Okada at this point. Yeah, if it's not I, as we talked about on Tuesday, I don't. If it's not Naito, then I don't know. I don't know who. If I mean, it's not Naito, Kenny, maybe it's, Naito or Omega. Aside from them, I don't know if there's anyone in that <sighs> company right now who's on the level to take that belt off of him. I really don't. Will we see? When will we see Sonata even get to the point where he can have a match with Sonata? Are we going to get through all the G1 first and then back to I mean, Wrestle Kingdom next year? Sonata was supposed to have a really big year last year where he got elevated, and in my opinion, I thought Evil was the uh, his his tag partner. I th- uh, I thought Evil had a way better year and was much more elevated, but he had a match against Okada last October, uh, and at at, at uh, King of Pro Wrestling and lost. So you know, the fact that Sonata is getting a chance now, I don't know. I, I don't think Sonata's on the, anywhere near on that level yet. Mm. I'm, I'm actually surprised they're putting him in that picture. It, it actually shows how few people are on Okada's level at this point now that he's been so established. So I'm, I'm very curious to see where that dynamic shifts to. And we could, trust me, we could have a whole other show just on speculating on New Japan, but we're not going to do that. We're going to move over and talk about NWA really quickly. Because we have uh, we have to talk about the championship. We were confused when uh, Nick Aldis beat Tim Storm for the NWA championship in CZW. Out of nowhere. Out of freaking nowhere. But now it seems like they're building to something. They're building a redemption story for Tim Storm. Uh, Josephus uh, is obviously in storyline broke Tim Storm's ribs before that Nick Aldis match. And now we're going to have a Josephus versus Tim Storm match in an empty arena at Impact Wrestling. They were they're taped. What? Yep. Impact Wrestling will be hosting a number one contendership for the NWA title. Uh, and Tim Storm will try and get his revenge on Josephus for injuring him before his match with Nick Aldis. So I think they're doing a really good job of building this this storyline, this long storyline huh. over an NWA. I'm liking what they're doing here. Well, speaking I, of impact, yes, you. Uh, I heard this this week that they have gotten rid of their uh, octagon, heptagon. They're going back to four sides. It's going to squared circle again. Yeah, I, I, I don't want to say the wrong gone because I don't want to be Kofi Kingston. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, they went back to a four-sided ring, and uh, they just had some tapings. And spoiler alert, they have a new champion. It's a name you might recognize. Austin Aries oh! is now the new Impact champion. Oh! Yeah, so they ain't dead yet. There's life in the old girl yet. Stroking my beard. You guys can't see this right now. It's very disturbing. "Hmm." It's very disturbing. Uh, Before we get out of here, we also have to talk about the WWE Mixed Match Challenge, which will be starting on Facebook in about a week. They had a lot of new matchups announced this week. Uh, We had some I was completely confused by. Uh, Heels and faces together. You know, this is one of those things that's like, it's cute, but it's outside of kayfabe. It's outside of storyline. I don't like this kind of stuff because of that, especially two weeks out from one of your big four pay per views. It's I, like it, semi outside of kayfabe. Like they they had this. They had a team. One of the team ups was Sami Zayn and Becky Lynch, 
And uh, and he dressed up out in an autograph line it was, in a mask, and it was weird. The announcement it of it was very weird, but it, but also on the WWE website, they made it clear that Becky was going to try and bring the, quote, old Sammy out for these matches. So they're obviously trying to keep it somewhat in kayfabe, but obviously just totally not. This is just a, a popularity contest of like one of those you know, a card game apps on your phone. You yeah. Know, you're just choosing your wrestlers to have them wrestle and it's just a little bit more interactive. It's going to be a weird experiment, but uh, other matchups we have Shinsuke Nakamura and Natalia. Fine. Weird. Uh, if you're on Snapchat, they have a lot of pictures of themselves posing as cats, which is sort of cute, I suppose. Um, of the New Day, one of the members was going to get voted to be in a, in a, in a pair up. We said Xavier Woods because of the internet connection, but Dark Horse Big E apparently overwhelmingly got votes and he's pairing up with Carmella weird uh, Apollo Crews with Nia Jax okay all right yeah uh gold dust with Alicia Fox that's that's weird I would just, I would just watch that for their promos agreed uh Miz with Oscar I can get behind that I could see yeah I could be exciting and then um because of Samoa Joe's injury he is now out he's replaced by the second place vote getter for this category and that was Elias teaming up with Bailey I like that better than Samoa Joe I'm being really? Honest. Yep. Oh, Moe, Joe and man. Bailey don't fit. But I oh, think I, there's no, I thought chemi- that would have been like the odd couple. I thought it would have been amazing. I think these two are going to be the odd couple. For uh, sure. we'll, we'll, we'll see. Maybe Elias will get into hugging. Uh, oh. <laughs> uh, speaking of WWE and people who may be getting a little bit too physically aggressive, uh, David Otunga cleared in domestic violence investigation. Uh, I didn't even know that he was being investigated for domestic violence, but neither did the, I. Got the news that he was cleared, so I guess Rich Swan has not. No, he has not been cleared, and they <laughs> and they made it clear this week that if he is convicted, he will be fired. They uh, they finally uh, made a stump sort of statement on it. Well, this is what we said. People yeah. were confused and said, "Why isn't he fired right off the bat?" Well, it's because you're innocent until freaking proven guilty. Okay, yes. so they're waiting until he's convicted to fire him. If he's uh, if he's cleared in all charges, we'll see what happens. Um. Speaking of a bunch of stars, we mentioned this earlier in the show. Now I have to be careful not to mark or geek out too hard for this part. We need you're to. We're at ha- the end of the show here. We got to get out of here. But you're gonna have a hard time. Oh man, what a list! You're gonna leave this show. I'm shaking, marking out it. like a baby, dude. You're I'm already. Be... I'm just looking at the list, and I'm just. I'm twitching. Okay, so Raw 25, the 25th anniversary of Raw, and Raw is War is coming up. Uh, it's going to be the the Monday before the Royal Rumble, so two Mondays from now. Yes, sir. They have started to list the confirmed uh, celebrities that will appear on the show. Obviously, all wrestling celebrities. Give me to me. This is uh, this is a hell of a list. Yeah, it is. Uh, so far, and this is just so far. We still got two weeks to get more people on the show. Uh, they got Teddy Long. Holla, holla, holla. They got uh, the APA. Damn. Both, both of them. They got JBL coming back, which, eh. But you also have Farouk, man. Yes. Come on. The first African-American Damn. world champion. Yes. We'll be there. The Dudley boys will both, will both be back. Shawn Michaels, not surprising. He's working oh, down at NXT right yeah, now. Right. Ted DiBiase. He's so money. Who I always love seeing. Uh, brother love Bruce Pritchard <laughs> has apparently mended fences. I wonder if he'll be coming out in uh, red face paint. Uh, Godfather, obviously recent uh, Hall of Fame inductee. I'm not surprised there. Boogeyman always shows up at also these things. About two, was it two years ago he showed up for the Rumble? Th- three or four years ago. Yes, and was like immediately Ziggler eliminated. Super Ziggler. Him. Yeah, uh, Ziggler put him out like, yep. immediately. Uh, they, but it was they, great to see him show back up. Right? It was. Even even if he did get uh, taken right back out. I like, hope he like brings one all the, his hoes. Like, <laughs> 
I don't know if they do that anymore. I, they, uh, oh, I think just, it's 2018 I think now. We got to be PC. Yeah, his, his ladies, his of ladies, leisure. ladies of leisure. Yes, <laughs> uh, as long as it's, I, I, he did get bushwhackered out of that uh, the, the Royal Rumble. But anyway, oh. uh, Sergeant Slaughter will be there. John Laurinaitis, X Pac, eh. John Cena, uh, Bork Laser. <clears throat> excuse me, Brock Lesnar. Not shocking. Jim <laughs> Ross, uh, Hall and Nash will be there. I wonder if we're going to have a surprise Hogan appearance. A surprise Hogan appearance, maybe NWO. Come on, maybe. Uh, maybe. I don't know. I don't know if Hogan's back in good graces yet. Uh, Rick he done Flair. with that lawsuit shit he was going through. With... Oh, he's done with that. All it's right. just I think they're waiting for people to forget that he said the N word about his uh, daughter's boyfriend. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Rick Flair will be there. The Bella Woo! Twins. The Bella Twins will be showing up. And... Oh, there's more on this also, by the way. So in the at the risk of throwing all of my wrestling credibility away, you guys should know that I do occasionally catch up on Total Divas. When I have absolutely nothing else to watch, I will watch it. So while I'm watching New Japan, you're watching Total Bellas no, I and Total Divas? Listen, so here's what was revealed in the show this week was that uh, apparently of all times, of the, all the days that this possibly could have been put down, at SummerSlam, the night of SummerSlam, there are matches going on. Brie Bella goes up to, to Carano and basically says, um... I I feel like I'm I want to be involved some more and I just I you know That I is a stellar Brie Bella impersonation. You obviously watch Total Bellas. Um yeah. I'm I'm more I'm like Samantha and Charlotte, you know. A little more like Nia Jax, actually. <laughs> yeah, that's you're true. channeling Nia. Anyway, long story short, it looks like the Bellas are gonna be coming back. Possibly a single surprise entrant for the pair of them coming to the Women's Royal Rumble. Oh, the, coming, bo- the both of them are definitely in the Rumble. Coming out at the same time is what I'm inferring. Oh, I don't think so. Um, I think they'll but be. at the same time, this is not just going to be a one-off. They are going to have story carrying all the way to WrestleMania. So I don't know if this is a women's tag thing with both of them because they've both been gone for long enough now. It's, I don't know. Do I can you, imagine Nikki having more time than Brie at this point because Brie is still a relatively new mom. Uh, but I could see there being storylines with them. Maybe not matches. I don't know. I, there's definitely room for them to get inserted into the women's picture because there's just, I don't know. It, it needs something. It needs something on these divisions right now. Uh, but need, There's one more name we need to drop, and it almost requires a glass shatter. It it is confirmed stone cold steve austin himself god i hope he drives an effing beer truck down the ramp yo dude i can't Woo. is he go, here's my question is he going to be chugging his el segundo uh stone cold uh his 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 what is it broken skull ipa broken skull ipas they, yep. that they that they put in a can just for him for wrestlemania 31 or th- was it 32 32, uh, I 32 and the, yeah he came out and he was he was uh beating everybody up yeah no stone cold will be there and then there's also rumored eric bischoff will be there eh. and of course we have a bunch of well i think that's gonna be a particularly interesting one considering the story he had with raw being the main antagonist the guy who was trying to get raw kicked off the agreed air. and rick flair and hall and nash are there right also so that could be interesting it could be cool <laughs> Anyway, we're, so lots to talk about. Raw 25, our show that week's going to be monstrous because we'll have a lot to talk about. Yeah, that's that's going to be a big one, guys. Forewarning, two weeks from now, that, that show's probably going to run a little long. Oh, but stay tuned for more rumblings <laughs> as we continue to trundle down this road to the Royal Rumble for the next few weeks. Uh, look, is the card full yet? 
There's it's pretty damn full. It's pretty full. It's pretty packed. They could fill up a five to six hour pay-per-view with what they got already. Oh, for sure. I'm dying to see what else they throw at it or how things continue to twist around because I don't think they're done. I mean, you've got you've got Universal title. You've got WWE title. You've got both both shows have their tag titles. You've got the U.S. title. And then whatever other matches they decide to do, like Wyatt and, and Hardy, they've got, a, they've got a bunch of stuff to get to, plus... Two Royal Rumble matches. Two Royal Rumble matches, and will they will they leave the Intercontinental title off of yet another pay per view well, with, with the title match happening on the Raw twenty five show? Which, like I said, I don't think <laughs> I would understand if they did that this time. Uh, anyway. Well, guys, that's our show for this week. Thank you for hanging out with us. As always, you can come over and hang out with us on Facebook in the Busted Wide Open discussion group or come find us on Twitter at BWO Podcast. Let us know what you think about the show. We do live tweet some of the shows every now and then, so come hang out with us there. Also, if you'd like to support us, uh, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com slash store. Pick up a T-shirt, phone case, coffee mug, some sweet swag for you to rock and show your love for the Busted Wide Open podcast. And while you're at it, please come over to your podcast platform of choice, whether you're on iOS or Android, whether you get us from iTunes. Find us, leave us a review, leave us five stars, tell us what you like, tell us what we can improve on. We love your criticism and feedback. Let us know what you'd like to hear on the show. And uh, yeah, we'd love to We'd love to hear from you. But I'm Nick Howell. You can find me over on Twitter at Data Center Dude. And I am Sir Ian Dangerous. You can find me on Twitter at and dangerous. But by God! Would somebody stop the damn match? This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out. OrbitalJigsaw.com